Well, I, uh, the, my next book is titled A Life by Invitation, and uh, that was the book that exhausted me. The, that was the book that like uh, beat me into the ground to the point where I put it in a drawer so I don't have to ever look at it again because I, I hate that little book. It was like 400 pages, and then I had to rewrite, and I wrote it in third person, and then the editor, my editor said, oh, you should write it in first person, and then I rewrote it. I mean, look, like, no one's doing this for me. I mean, I don't have an editor or a publisher. Like, I'm doing all this stuff on my frickin', you know, word processor, laptop, writing this book, and I rewrote it like five times. And I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind. So, A Life by Invitation follows Chuck, the uh, <clears throat> central character in my first book, on through college and in North Africa, where he becomes a uh, Sufi mystic and uh, and the, the, the point of that book is a, is a character uh, who is roughly uh, impersonating me, uh, who has this a particular problem in that he wants to be liked and likable so badly that if you invite him to do things, he'll do them. Hey, Charles, well, why don't we go do this stupid thing? Or why don't we go do that stupid thing? Or, hey, Charles, why don't you... Uh, why don't you come on over and we'll blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, all right, I'll do it. So the whole point on Life by Invitation is this character whose life is not uh, built uh, from within himself. It's built from outside of himself. And uh, I put it away. I don't know if I'm ever going to resuscitate it. My, you know, my writing career kind of spans about, um, I didn't actively start writing. I'm 64 today as of this interview, but I started writing when I was 45. And uh, I wrote nonstop for about 10 years. And I did about 150 poetry book reviews, about 100 interviews, articles, essays. I published a full collection of poems, five small collection of poems, published a book. Uh, I, when I offered my archives uh, and I, you know, I'm sort of a little bit compulsive. Uh, maybe, maybe you can tell that. I don't know, but a little bit compulsive. And so, for some reason, I kept all of my uh, final copies and all my acceptance and correspondence and ring binders in two-year increments. And so, you know, I have to say, I'm quite. Pr I had like eight ring binders that were like pretty big, with all this correspondence with obscure, independent poets and writers, back when the independent small press was uh, made up of, um, you know, uh, I mean, some of these publications were Xerox copy paper clipped. Uh, some of them were just one sheets. And uh, as I, when I started writing, everything hadn't suddenly become just internet-based. It was kind of the beginning of internet-based magazines. Uh, so by the time I finished, my work had appeared in over 200 print and electronic publications. And I had, a, a, I had acquired a, what I would call a reputable, obscure poet writer reputation among an obscure population, but I was a notable and, uh, and I enjoyed it. And then I, I, I went to the archives, a couple archives in the country, and uh, I went to Marquette and they said, we'd love to have your collection because what they found interesting about it, and this is true with archives, it's both the finished work and some of the drafts and all the correspondence that go with it. So it's a complete um, body of work. It has all my interviews. Some of them are on radio and other things, so I kept all that. 
And uh, that to me was a finish line. Because I, when I started this, I had no aspiration other than to become the best writer I could by 60. That was my goal. I'm going to be the best writer I could by 60. But I never got trained as a writer. I'm not an MFA. I'm self-taught. And they thought it was interesting that someone who has a day job as a fundraiser at Marquette could publish all this frickin' work. I mean, I'm not on the payroll as an English professor at Marquette where I have to publish and I have to write as part of uh, tenure and part of what, what I'm there to do. And I, and I sometimes think, boy, that, what a sweet deal that would be. I mean, you're still, look, none of us are getting rich at this game, okay? But there would have been an incentive for me to continue to write. And in my case, um, I just, I, I was exhausted. And I, I said, this is too painful for me to continue. So I just redirected all my compulsive energy that I spent doing that in writing and turned myself into a master gardener. And now I have like, I don't know, 15 beds of obscure plants, full sun, full shade, half shade, semi-shade. I have 250 seedlings growing in my basement under lamps that are like the sun. My neighbors say, well, why don't you grow pot down there? And I'm thinking like, give me a break. You guys are so pathetic. Like, get over pot. Aren't we all over pot now? I mean, really, there's, there's zinnias down there. They're, they're obscure uh, uh, sort of heritage tomatoes, stuff like that. So. I'm just turning all my compulsive energy into other stuff. And I love my job and I love all the startup stuff I'm doing, so life is good.